Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in the series of Acts. This is 13 weeks, guys. Uh, so we've been going this for a while, and we're going to take down through uh, probably um, quite a bit of the summer. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm determined to finish the book of Acts with you, and uh, I hope you guys are enjoying this. Um, but Acts is really, it's actually the Acts of the Apostles. I like to say it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the Apostles. But basically, basically they're fulfilling a mission that was given to them by Christ. Uh, when Jesus was ascended to heaven, he said, hey, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That was the, the, preach the good news to all people. And so they were given that assignment. The apostles were given that assignment. And that's what we read when you read the book of Acts. You're literally seeing the church being planted, the gospel being uh, preached to all nations. And it doesn't end. The book of Acts is for us as well today. We have that same assignment that Jesus gave his apostles or his disciples 2,000 years ago. It's the same assignment that we have to go into all the world and preach the good news to all the nations. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to dive into Paul. I'm kind of pretty excited because this is Paul's first missionary journey. And he has Barnabas with him, Paul Barnabas. And so we're going to dive into the first missionary journey. You can find this in Acts chapter 13 and 14. So I encourage you to just go ahead and turn into your Bible, uh, turn, in, yeah, turn in your Bible, uh, to chapters 13 and 14, or, or in your devices if you're watching us online, because I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I'm just going to give you some highlights. I'm giving you guys some homework, okay? During the week, you guys need to open up your Bibles and read God's Word, okay? So can you read this week chapters uh, 13 and 14 in Acts? Raise your hand if you're going to read chapters 13 and 14. I'm, I'm, look, I'm marking every one of you down that's raised your hands. Okay. Read Acts chapters 13 and 14. In fact, you can skip ahead. I encourage you to do so so that you're actually ahead of me. When I come to the scripture, you'll know where I'm at. So, um, but we're going to start off today by reading the first three verses of chapter 13. Uh, it says, Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. So it's a group of guys getting together for breakfast at Denny's, and they're praying together, okay? Then one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. There was a calling to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Just to give you a little synopsis of what is happening here, Saul and Barnabas have been teaching in this church in Antioch for quite some time, probably about a year now. And so these, these men get together, these guys, group of believers get together, they're praying, and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden just starts to speak to them. Hey, you need to send Saul and Barnabas out to an unreached people group, to a, to a new group of people that haven't heard the gospel. I, we want you to, the Holy Spirit, I want you to send them out with your blessing. Pray over them so that they can go preach the good news to people that need Jesus. Yeah. It's why we here at South Coast Christian, we support missions. Yeah. 
We support over 20 missionaries that every month that we send a check to and that we, that we support because we want to see people's lives changed. It's no different from 2,000 years ago than today. We still need to send people out to different areas of the world that needs to hear the gospel. That's, in fact, we're going to go on a mission trip. So coming up in 2022, buckle your seatbelts. We're going to head out for a mission trip. And some of you need to join me on a mission trip or whoever's going to lead it, Brett or whoever else. We're going to take missions and we're going to be a part of that where we're taking the gospel to people that don't know Jesus. We did that two years ago to Fiji. It was powerful to be able to go into Fiji into different groups, and especially into the Hindu population, and share the love of Jesus. So this is what's happening. They pray over Paul. Uh, Saul and, uh, Paul is also Saul. It's the same name. They just refer to it in different ways. But um, they pray over Saul and Barnabas, and they sent them on their way. And then John Mark went as an assistant uh, to help them. And let me give you a, uh, another just a thought about the first missionary journey as we begin today. And can we put that map up on the screen real quick? I'm hoping that this kind of helps you. You can see they start off at Antioch of Syria. They go over to Cyprus, which is the island of Cyprus. And then they continue on into kind of Asia Minor. And they go to different communities there. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that. We're going to give you a little bit of history. But then we're also going to talk about what the gospel means. Because the gospel is really important to understand what the gospel can do into our people's lives. And so we're seeing this taking place through Paul and Barnabas. So from Antioch of Syria, they they sailed across into the island of Cyprus. And scripture states that they traveled the entire island. They went from community to community sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Community to community. And then in the town of Paphos, uh, which is on the west side of the island of Cyprus, uh, it talks about Paul being hindered by a evil sorcerer who was trying to stop the gospel. He, there was a governor that, was, that needed to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel was trying to be stopped by this evil sorcerer. Do you know that you can't stop the gospel? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. The apostle Paul saw what was taking place. And he basically just rebuked this evil sorcerer. And all of a sudden, this guy went blind. He couldn't see. And it stopped him in his tracks. And it says that when the governor saw what had taken place through the power of of Paul's God, the Holy Spirit, he gave his life to the Lord. He gave his life to Jesus Christ. So miracles are still taking place. The church is continuing to spread. Then Paul and Barnabas sails sails towards Pamphylia, landing in the port of Perga. And uh, now in the second half of in chapter 13, in the second half of verse 13, it, ta- it says there that there John Mark left them and went to Jerusalem. I just make that statement because later on it has some impact in the second missionary journey. After arriving in Perga, they traveled to the island or in inland to Antioch of Pisidia. It is here where Paul preaches a powerful message to the synagogue, which would be like the church. He preaches this powerful message of the good news of Jesus Christ. How you could be set free from your sins. You no longer have to continue to sacrifice. Remember in the synagogue, they were continuing to sacrifice for their sins. You no longer have to do that because there's this man named Jesus, the Son of God, who has died on the cross, resurrected the third day, and he has sacrificed everything for your sins. Now all you have to do is have faith in Jesus Christ, the gospel message being preached. And I encourage you to read that message. It starts in verse 16 of chapter 13, and it's the message of the good news. But then if you skip down to verse 43 in chapter 13, Luke writes that many of the Jewish people 
follow Paul and Barnabas after they were in the synagogue. So let me paint the picture. Paul and Barnabas, they go into the synagogue, they preach the good news. We don't actually, say, we don't actually know if people started getting saved, but we do know this. Lives were being challenged. Because when Paul and Barnabas left, all of a sudden they had this group of people that were following them. And then they started begging them, will you come back next week and, and preach again at our synagogue? Come back next week and preach. And, and Paul and Barnabas, we find out in Scripture, they went back the following week. It's interesting in the Scripture it says that Paul and Barnabas encouraged them. They said, hey, continue, into the grace, continue with the grace of God. And I, th- I think the reason that was taking place, because in verse 44 it states, the next week when Paul and Barnabas returns, it says almost the entire city turns out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. And so people were, it was a topic of conversation at the dining room table, at the workplace. Everybody was talking about what Paul and Barnabas preaching, this gospel of Jesus Christ. The church is packed. Everybody's ready to hear this. But this time something takes place. Some religious leaders hear about what's going on and they come into the meeting as well. And so when Paul and Barnabas start to preach or Paul starts to speak, guess what? There's religious leaders that are standing up and they're questioning Paul. They're saying, hey, now now what do you talk about this? And they start to argue with Paul as he's trying to share the gospel. You see, evil's always going to try to stop you from sharing the gospel. But guess what? The power of the Holy Spirit is going to overcome. Amen? So Paul's trying. I, I picture it like this where, you know, you ever hear someone that's like the political environment that we live in. Where all of a sudden someone's trying to share a thought politically and then there's another person on the other side trying to. And they literally are talking over each other. That's what's taking place inside the synagogue. Look how these two missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, respond to this ploy in the synagogue, starting in verse 46 of chapter 13. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, It was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged others unworthy, or judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we offer it to the Gentiles. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. That's a quote from Isaiah. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and they thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message, the gospel, spread throughout that region. I want to just take a moment to pray as we dive into God's word here today. Lord, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray that your word will come, just become life to us. But by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, it will change us. Lord, we will not leave the same way we entered today. But Lord, we will continue to be changed into your glory each and every day that we will understand your word in a new way, in a, in a clearer way, so that the gospel will continue to be preached and that the gospel will change our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thought I want to share from this passage of Scripture with you today is this. The gospel resolves hopelessness. Have you ever felt hopeless? Have you ever met someone or talked to someone who is hopeless? Have you ever 
maybe a friend that is going through a divorce, and in the middle of that divorce, they just seem to feel like everything is hopeless. Or maybe you have a friend that's just got diagnosed with cancer or some type of disease, and all of a sudden, this hopelessness starts to set in on your life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever felt that hopeless feeling in life? It gives this appearance that there is no opportunity for escape. Um, Hopeless is the feeling of being just dejected or lost. It's It's not a good place to be. If you've ever been there, it's not a fun place to be. I remember when I was a teenager, my dad owned a, he bought a boat. Uh, we were living up in Seattle, Washington, and it was a 25-foot Owens, and it, w- had been, it had actually sunk, and he bought it for, I think it was 300 bucks, and he spent the next two or three years restoring this boat. He fiberglassed the bottom, and he re-varnished all the teak wood that was on it. He put a new engine, all new wiring. All, he, it was his project for two or three years, and, and so he got this boat seaworthy, and we used to go out in that boat through the San Juan Islands, through the Puget Sound, and we'd have a lot of fun, and and I remember the one time we were out there, I think it was mom, me, and my dad, and we were out there, and it was getting closer to sunset, and we were out past Port Townsend, which kind of opens up into some pretty rough waters. And um, all of a sudden, we're just cruising along, all of a sudden, poof, engine just stops. And we blew a head gasket, and we're dead in the water. And we're sitting out there in the water, and the waves are pretty good size out there, and we're just going sideways and the water is hitting us and all of a sudden now the water starts to, it's getting even and the water's starting to come over the side of the boat. I'm getting worried. I was probably 13, 14 years old. I'm starting to sense this hopelessness in me. I'm thinking, this is not good. I'm young. I have a lot of life to live. I don't need to go down the sea here right now, you know. And I start, I start to panic, and, and my dad is reassuring me, Tom, everything's okay, everything's okay. And while he's on the CB radio, this is before cell phones. So he's on the CB radio, you know, out there calling Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. It, you know, he, you can see that you can feel the anxiousness in his voice. And it, he's, Tom, everything's okay, you know, it's, it's, everything's fine. Don't worry, don't worry. Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. You know, don't lie to your kids. Your kids can see right through your lies. They know what's true, what's not. And I remember that hopelessness that was just kind of grabbed a hold of me in that moment where, man, this is not a good situation. Sometimes life can bring those type of hopeless situations into you where all of a sudden you just can't see a way out. And I'll never forget the feeling when all of a sudden out in the distance, I saw this red and white boat coming towards us and it was the Coast Guard. Hope coming my way. I'll never forget that. They hooked up to our boat. They towed us into the nearest nearest harbor. And all of a sudden, I had this sense of relief that all of a sudden we're rescued because it wasn't a good situation. We were stuck out in the waters. And the waters in the Puget Sound is not like out here. It's like 50 degrees. It's cold. And I was thinking, are we going to make it? Is things going to be okay? Living under a sense of hopelessness can be emotionally exhausting. And yet people choose to live in hopelessness each and every day. When the Gentiles heard that they could now have a covenant with the one true God, it says in the scripture it brought great joy to them. In Paul's message, he quoted Isaiah 49.6, that God always intended to bring the light of the gospel to the Gentiles as well. That salvation was not just for a certain group of people, but that salvation was for all people. It was a declaration that they were being rescued. This is why there was joy in their life, because all of a sudden, Paul was given a declaration that, guess what? 
you now have hope. Who do you need to give hope to? What friend group that you have that maybe there's a person in there that's living in hopelessness, or maybe you're living in hopelessness, and you need to discover hope. The gospel brings hope into our lives. The Gentiles understood that they were no longer left out. They were no longer the unwanted. It wasn't that the Gentiles were rejoicing that many of the Jews were rejecting the gospel, but they were rejoicing because the gospel was now available to them. Basically, up to this point, the Gentiles had, they were not a part of God's covenant uh, that, were, that was with the Jews. They were essentially alienated from the promise of being rescued by God. Listen to how Paul summarizes the hope in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. Who needs to know that they have a covenant with God if they so choose in your life? You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Jesus Christ. The grace of God is abundant for all who who believe. It doesn't matter what someone's done. It doesn't matter what you think someone's done. The grace of God is available for all. There is no need to live in hopelessness now that we have this promise of salvation through Jesus Christ. This is the message that Paul is preaching. This is the gospel. It's the gospel. The gospel resolves hopelessness. I'm always amazed. And... As a pastor, I get to experience this on a regular basis. Maybe you haven't got to experience this as much. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. But I'm always amazed when someone enters into a situation where they are hopeless, where they come to me and they start talking to me about their situation, and there just doesn't seem to be any hope, and, and that, you can, you can, that you can sense that hopelessness in them. And all of a sudden, they make a decision. You know what? I'm choosing to turn my life to Christ. I'm choosing to follow God. And all of a sudden, there's a hope that comes into their life spiritually. And then what happens is from that spiritual hope, all of a sudden, you start seeing a hope just dropped into every area of, your, of their life. That's what Jesus does. He changes things around. Things that were once hopeless. We sang the song today when we were worshiping how God can change our situation. And things that we see as hopeless, all of a sudden, through, the, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we're given hope. Do you believe that here today? Okay, just making sure I'm preaching to the right church. If you don't believe, stay where you're at because I'm going to persuade you here in just a moment. So back to the journey of Paul and Barnabas. They stayed in Antioch of Pisidia until some influential religious people incited a mob and ran them both out of town. And it was at this point that it says that they went outside the town and they literally dusted the, the, the sand off of their feet. And it was basically a, a, a sign that, hey, we've done our best, but we're done with you. We're taking the, even the dust off of our shoes, and we're leaving it here with you, and we're moving forward. Some, and that's a word for some of us here today. There's a point when sharing the gospel, and this is really for those who are believers. 
There's a point where sharing the gospel, where if you've been sharing a gospel with somebody and they just continue to turn and reject and reject and reject, at some point you got to go, okay, I love you and I'm here for you, but I'm going to start sharing the gospel over here that where people's going to receive God's word. This is what's taken place with Paul and Barnabas. They've been rejected by the Jewish synagogue, by the people. And they say, okay, you keep rejecting me. Okay, so now it's time for me to take the gospel to the Gentiles. They take it to a new people group. The reaction reminds us that the gospel is for all people. But at some point, some point, a person's rejection to the truth is a choice away from God's saving grace. A person's rejection from the truth is, is all of a sudden, it is a choice away from God's saving grace. We see this rejection of the truth happening time and time again in this first missionary journey. We see it happen in Iconium as well. And in Acts chapter 14, verse 4, I want you to follow along with me here. Because I'm really sharing about the gospel. It says, but the people of the town were, say that word with me, were divided. Were divided. In their opinion about them, some sided with the Jews and some sided with the apostles. Which brings me to a second thought that I want to share with you about the gospel today. The gospel brings division. I know that's probably not a popular statement today because we're, we're in a culture today that oh, we all want to be together. But I'm telling you, the gospel brings division. For those who don't choose to follow Jesus, the gospel sep- is a se- separates or divides them from God. Jesus said, and it doesn't, seem, doesn't mean that God's not there. He's always there. But when you make a choice to go away from the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, listen to the words that Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Is there anything unclear about that statement? Is there anything in that statement that says, well, can you put that scripture back up? Don't leave those scriptures up there. We've got to get God's word in there. Do we have that scripture? Or did I not put it in there? Oh, sorry. Not your fault. My fault. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That is a dividing line. That, that causes division naturally. You're going to have to make a choice. See, Jesus is not about you not making a choice. He's all about you making a choice. He wants you to either choose to follow him or not. What are you going to do? Because when, if you read through the Gospels, each and every time, Jesus would say, come follow me. No, I'm serious. Now, come, come on. I, I, no. Well, let's have lunch together first. I want to talk to you because I want you to follow me. No, no. Jesus, come follow me. You either follow or you didn't. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a choice that is to be made. You don't, you, you don't make it unclear. It's very clear. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father. except for, It's a dividing statement. It's no different than if you're in a university. And the university, the rule is this. That you must maintain a 2.0 GPA. Okay? If you don't maintain that 2.0 GPA, you will not pass. You will not graduate. You're going to fail. you got to have at least a 2.0 GPA. Can I tell you something? That 2.0 GPA is a dividing line between either graduating or failing college. Right? Jesus Christ is the dividing line between heaven and hell. You got to make a choice. You got to choose. You either choose to remain in Him and graduate, 
or you choose to separate from him and fail. The Apostle Paul's message of the gospel was causing division. See, the gospel is not an easy message to preach sometimes. And that's why sometimes we shy away from it. Because I want to have friends, Pastor Tom, if I go out and preach the gospel, it's going to make, yeah, it is. It's going to make people make choices. And it's not that we should be rude with the gospel. Never. We, we should have love and joy and peace upon us, but we still need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul's message of the gospel was causing division among the people because it was tearing down centuries of man-made religion, believing that somehow the law of Moses could bring justification or healing from their sins. Understand the law was never designed to solve the problems of sin. God did not give the law to solve the problems of sin. It was designed to make us aware of our sins. It was designed to point us to a Savior whose name is Jesus Christ, who could take away our sins. As followers of Jesus, we must not be afraid of the division that the gospel brings because the division is the difference between heaven and hell. We need to be comfortable with that division. We need to say, okay, it's okay for me to feel that because the division is the difference between heaven and hell. I never want to stand before God and say, why didn't you give people the choice? I never, I don't want... I know for some today, maybe you're watching this online, it seems like a harsh, harsh statement. But can I remind you of the words that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34? He says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That's a tough statement. That's a dividing statement. How do we deal with that? How do we unpack that statement? But here's what's really important for you to remember about this verse. It should be obvious if you read through the Gospels, if you read through the rest of Scripture, it should be very obvious that, 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 that through the support of other Scriptures that Jesus doesn't desire division, but recognizes that the truth of God's Word will cause division. It's not that we as Christians just try to stir up division or troubles. Otherwise, Jesus would never have said that, blessed are the peacemakers. We're called to be peacemakers. But we need to recognize and embrace that God's word will divide. We should strive for peace, but recognize that, you know what, when the truth comes out, it will have impact. The Bible never states that we will find peace through a world system. And this is something I want to just land on for just a second. So many people are looking for peace in, in the world. They're trying to find peace through all the different things and the travel or whatever else. They're trying to find peace. And that, that's never designed, God never designed for us to ever find peace in this world. We're to find peace in Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus states in, that was, a, whew, that was loud. Jesus states in John 16, verse 33. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Who's me? Christ. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in Christ. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Truth has always separated people from the beginning of time. Many people don't want to live in God's truth because they want to live in, the, in their perception of their truth. Which is a thinking that truth is what you make it or what you believe. Okay, let me go back again. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I can't make a difference. If I believe in God's word, 
If I believe God's word is true, if I believe it, I can't, I can't change that statement to make something that is going to work for my perception. Well, you know, I'm a good person. I do good things. I actually serve. I don't know if you, got, I don't know, if you know this, but I serve once a week. Uh, down there, I serve meals. Um, yeah, I do. And I go down to Orange County Rescue Mission. I do some wonderful things there, which is great, by the way. But you can do all the most wonderful things in the world, but if you don't have Christ in your heart, if you have not chosen to follow Jesus Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the Pharisees and the religious rulers didn't want to believe in Jesus because it challenged their perception of the truth. And it's no different today. When you say only, there's the only way... To the Father is through Jesus Christ. That word only immediately divides people. Only? What do you mean only? There has to be multiple ways. What are you talking about? I mean, I have multiple plans for myself. phone. I can go through AT&T and Verizon and do all these. There has to be more than one way. You understand the division of the gospel. The Pharisees believed by obeying the law of Moses they could earn their way into heaven. Yet Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me. It contradicted their beliefs. Someone is right. Someone is wrong. Truth will divide. The gospel doesn't leave room for me to create my own reality of what is true. The gospel divides between follower of Christ and non-follower. And there, there, excuse the pun, but there's no other way to slice it. That's just where it's at. Back to Paul and Barnabas' missionary journey. They go on through Lystra and into Iconium. When they, they, they enter into Lystra... There's a crippled man there. It's a great story. I encourage you to read it about how the power of God continues to move and continues to heal and, and changes lives. And they perform miracles there. But soon, some of, the, some of the Jewish religious leaders come down where they're sharing the gospel. And they oppose them and basically persuade the crowds to, you know, over to their side. And they basically, um, they actually, it says in Scripture, they, they take Paul out and they literally stone him. Have you, anybody here been stoned before? I don't think so. They literally stone him. Which, what that means is that they literally put him usually in a pit or some, and they start throwing stones at him, and they throw stones at him until he's dead. That's what they would do. And it says in Scripture that, that miraculously, guess what? He did not die. They left him for dead. They dragged him out to the end of the city. They left him there to die, but he didn't die. In fact, the next day, him and Barnabas go and say, start traveling again and sharing the good news again. You're not going to stop the gospel from being preached. I want to close today by looking at the scriptures that is found in Acts chapter 14, verse 21. And we're really covering a ton of ground here. We're covering the whole uh, journey of Paul's first missionary journey. It's a lot to cover. But I really want to make it very general and basic because I want us to get the heart of the gospel in us. The gospel gives First thing, super important to remember, the gospel will divide, okay? And the gospel also gives us strength. And I want to talk about that today here in Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22. It says, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They encouraged them to continue in the faith reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's the last thought. The gospel strengthens the believers. Paul and Barnabas finished up their missionary journey 
by retracing, basically they retraced their steps from where they preached the gospel. They came back because they recognized the same troubles they were facing, these new Christians, these new believers, they were going to face the same thing. Have you ever faced persecution or difficulties and you need strength? You're going like, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this thing. Man, following Christ is harder than I thought it was going to be. And you need, well, they, Paul and Barnabas recognize this. So they go back and they, they start to encourage the believers. How did they encourage them? They encouraged them by, told, by telling them to remain in the faith. That doesn't make sense, Pastor Tom. And by the way, it's, the gospel says that, it's in that last part of the scripture says that uh, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter into the kingdom of God. Let me, let me just clarify that passage of scripture, which is really important for us to understand. It's not that all of us are going to suffer hardships to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe, but Paul and Barnabas recognized the times of their day, and they were going to suffer hardships. It's, kind of, it's not unlike some people in different areas of our, of, of our world. In different countries where they don't have the freedom of religion like we do, for them to practice to follow Jesus Christ, they're going to suffer hardships. And they're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven without suffering hardships, because that's the reality of their world that they're living in. But now, but how does Paul and Barnabas... Strengthen the believers, going back to that question. They did so by encouraging them to continue in the faith. This is a key understanding about the power of the gospel. And I want you to grab a hold of this. I want you to take this home. I want you to run with this for the rest of the week. Paul writes in Romans 16, 25. Now all glory to God who is able to make you strong just as my good news says, the gospel. I want you to grab a hold of that final truth of the gospel. The good news of Jesus was never designed to make you weak. The gospel is designed to make you strong. Do you think that way? Or are you a weak Christian? Kind of just like, no, no. The gospel never designed you to make you weak. It's designed to make you strong. Paul writes in Philippians 4.13, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Not weakness. He didn't write, for I can do everything, or for I, I can't do anything in Christ who gives me weakness. No, no, no. For I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. When you make Jesus the center of your life, he will not weaken you. He will embolden you. He will strengthen you. That's the wonderful news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. His purpose is not to hold you down. But his purpose is to lift you up. You see, the world has it backwards. When you talk to them about following Jesus, when you talk to them about church, they see limitations. They see that all of a sudden, oh, you're a weak person. You got you to you rely on this faith thing for you. No, no, no. They don't understand it. And someone needs to start sharing with them more. That being a follower of Christ is not being weak. Guess what? It makes me stronger than ever. Read the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look what happens to the disciples. Jesus said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. To the leper, he said, be healed. And the man was healed. To the paralyzed man, he said, your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. And he stands up and walks. To the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. To his disciples who were out in the storm like I was when I was 13, 14 years old and all of a sudden hopelessness started rushing over me. He said to his disciples, he said to them, take courage. I am here. 
to the thief on the cross, Jesus promised, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, the heart of the gospel is not to tear you down. It is to lift you up. His desire is to make you strong, strong in faith and strong in his spirit. Unlike many kingdoms who seek their strength by diminishing people, by weakening people, catch this, so many of you see a, like a dictatorship or some type of, of, of a government, it, it controls the people, it weakens the people, it pushes them down. The kingdom of heaven is opposite of that. See, God receives glory when we allow his power to work through us. When all of a sudden we are emboldened and we are strengthened by his power, then all of a sudden we do the miracles, we do the things that, are, that the gospel is talking about. All of a sudden, guess what? God gets all the glory because it's his power working through us. He never designed us to be weak vessels. Not in the way that we're thinking. He designed that our weaknesses would be his strength. Where all of a sudden we turn our weaknesses so that all of a sudden he can be our strength. The gospel brings hope. Yeah, the gospel causes division. But man, I'm telling you right now, the gospel can be one of the most strengthening things in your life that can set you free. For some of you today, you need to grab a hold of the gospel because it can set you free. It can move you forward from a life that you're stuck in. To the other, We were out, my daughter got married in May. And uh, we had a great time, went up to Seattle, Washington, and uh, Brett and I and my oldest son, Evan, we decided we wanted to go out for golfing. If you don't know, I like to golf. And uh, so we went out to this course, Walter Hall in Everett, Washington. And I used to golf this course all the time. And I haven't golfed it in 20 plus years, maybe 25 years. But I remember the golf course, you know, parts of it. Some of the holes I couldn't remember anymore, but I remember a lot of it. But I think it was the 16th hole that we came to, maybe the 17th. But as soon as I saw the hole, I remembered it. I hated that hole. Didn't like it. It was this long hole and it went down into, ran along the side of this creek. The reason I didn't like it is it was just a wet hole. They never, they never solved, they, they had a drainage problem there. It was always wet down there. And it just, if you, if you had a tendency to hit the ball to the right at all, you'd be down by that creek and it was muddy. And, and sure enough, I hit the ball and it's down there and and now all of a sudden all these flooding bad memories of this hole came flooding back to me so we're golfing I'm hit that hole hit that shot and I'm walking and and I'm, I see my ball and I walk over to go look at it and poof, my foot goes into the mud now when I'm saying my, I'm not talking about a little bit I mean my foot is that deep in a hole of mud I feel the mud, it's so wet, it's oozing into my socks. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just gross. And I, I oh, seriously? It just came back to me like, like it was yesterday. I did this before, you know. And I'm trying to pull my foot out of that mud. And it's just, it has this vacuum suction on my foot. You can't, you know what I'm saying? It's just like frustrating. The gospel gives us hope. There's times in our lives, sin is like that. Where all of a sudden, you didn't want to step in it. All of a sudden, you poof, and you're just in it. And it grabs a hold of you, and it sucks you down, and it tries to hold you there. You don't want to be a part of it. In fact, the hole in me was, the whole the hole was disgusting me. I didn't want to play it again. But I go and I hit it again, and all of a sudden, I get my foot stuck in the mud. 
why am I here again? See, the hope of the gospel is this. It doesn't even matter if you somehow get your foot stuck in the mud again. Jesus is there to help you pull your foot out of the mud again. I took my foot out of that mud. I went to the, to the, to the uh, clubhouse, thank you very much. Took the hose, washed my foot off, tried to clean my fin. Just, yeah, it's just gross. See, so many times we see sin as gross. We see it as wrong. We see it and we get stuck there. What we need to do in our lives, we need to allow the, Christ, the, the power of Jesus, the strength of Jesus to be our strength, to get us out of that, to unstick us so that we can start walking towards Christ. That's the power of the gospel. You might be in a place today, maybe you're watching this online or maybe here in the audience, and you say, Pastor Thomas, me, my foot's stuck. For whatever reason, I just feel like I can't get set free. I'm just stuck. Maybe you're looking at the gospel wrong. Maybe you're seeing it as a weakness. Where all of a sudden, you know, all you can see is the sin. All you can see is, and you never look at the strength of Christ. It's called the grace of God. There is strength in the gospel, the grace of God. Where Jesus says, I have set you free from sin. You no longer have to worry about sin because I died on a cross 2,000 years ago to set you free from it. Stop worrying about getting stuck in sin. If you get, I'll pull you out. Now just keep walking towards me. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I will set you free. That's the good news of the gospel. See, we see the gospel as things that I don't, we just make light of the gospel. And when, if you read through that first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, there was nothing light about it. It was changing lives. It was dividing. It was bringing hope into, to, into the nations. And it was strengthening the believers. I want you to have all of Jesus because when you get a hold of all of Jesus, it will change your life. Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you, thank you that your word brings hope. The gospel brings hope. You bring hope. You set us free from a life, Lord God, that many of us don't even want, but somehow we get stuck there. God, I pray for people today, all around this audience, people that are watching us online today. Right now, I pray people be set free in Jesus' name. I pray for those that are being stuck, Lord God. They feel like there's no hope, there's no way out. They're living a, a life of hopelessness right now. They're just going through the motions. I pray that the light of the gospel just illumine every area of their life. God, that you would give them the strength to say yes to you in such a way, Lord God, that they would choose to follow you. And today, they will be set free by your power. I pray it, God. I ask for it. I thank you, God, that your, your love is always there. Your grace is always there. It's always available to us. All we have to do is choose to accept it. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.